Go ahead and be seated and welcome. We're glad that you're here. We're going to start with the offering here in just a second, but uh, first thing I want to do is uh, is pray. We're going to finish things up with a really cool communion time because this is really for all practical purposes, uh, kind of our Palm Sunday and our Good Friday and our Monday, Thursday all rolled up into one because once we get to Thursday, it's resurrection time, okay? So um, that's the way it goes around here. Yeah, I know. We get... Who doesn't want more resurrection and less Good Friday? I mean, come on, really. I mean, this is how it works, okay? This is good. Um, But the first thing I want to do is remind you about the Easter services this weekend. Um, It's going to be Thursday night at 7. We're going to be Friday night at 5 and 7. Obviously, we don't usually do that. And then Saturday, totally different times, 3, 5, and 7. If you're a Saturday nighter and happen to be here, don't come at your regular time. They're wrong. If you're a Sunday morninger, don't come at your regular time because they're wrong too. We're going to try to get three in on Sunday morning, 8.30, 10.30, and 12.30. Um, if you ask my opinion, I'd say try to avoid the 10.30 because that's probably when most of the guests that are going to be coming in that aren't connected to somebody are going to show up. And then 5.45 at night, okay? All the services are the same, same worship, same kids program. If my voice holds out, same, you know, preaching, all of it is going to be the same. And and I really want to just be thinking about what it's going to mean for you to invite somebody to come this week. Here's Here's what I've been convicted of. I'm convicted of the fact that there are a lot of people around you, in your neighborhood, in your QB next to you, in your school system, whatever. There are a lot of people that would love to come to church on Easter. They might not even know why, but they feel like they know there's something that's going on there, and there's something that to happen, and all they need is for you to say, hey, I mean, we're doing, you know, we're doing 10 at Orland, four at Lockport, you know, if you can't find a time to go, you know, I don't know how to help you, um, so come and, come and join us, and, and you'd be surprised at how many people are going to do it. Obviously, we always have more than double our normal attendance anyway, you know, we'll, we had 15,000 for Easter last year, we'll, we'll do that and more next, this, this coming weekend. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of people that are just going to come this weekend, but I want you to be thinking about your job to be the witness. That's what Jesus said. You are be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in the area around you. That's what we're going to do. So I want to pray for that, and then we'll do the offering, okay? Lord, I just pray, I pray blessing on on all of our neighbors, all our friends, all our family. Um, There's a lot of them that are involved in a church somewhere, um, somehow, and God bless them, and I pray for all the churches next weekend. Um, because it, it, it's, it's just such a great time of new life. It, it's just amazing. It's, it's the best weekend of the year. But Lord, there are a lot of people out there that either don't know it's the best weekend of the year or they just don't know where they might go try to hear about it. And I pray that you'll help them to find their way to us. And maybe that's through these people right now. So I want to ask a blessing on these people as they think of ways that they can be a witness for you this week. They don't have to know biblical answers. They don't have to give a testimony. All they need to do is just say, hey, I'm going to Parkview this weekend for Easter. You want to join me? Let that happen, Lord, and bless us. And now we're going to take up the offering, Lord. Um, you know, the offering goes to a whole lot of different things, missions projects and, and really cool things that we do to help. It also goes to uh, pay for parking lots so that the people that come next week can have a place to park and for uh, this new chapel and for the things that we have that are making it available for more people to find you, more prodigals to come home. So be with us and, and bless us as we get back to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, you can go ahead and pass the offering, and I will uh, tell you a couple other things, okay? Uh, one is, just, just because it's offering time, I want to show you something, okay? We talk about Cancun, Mexico, uh, going on missions trips, and you guys laugh every time. You're like, yeah, I want to go to Cancun on a mission trip. Okay, let me just show you what we did, okay? Because Cancun is not all the beach, okay? There's a whole other part of the town in Cancun. This is a, a former liquor store that Vida Nueva Ministries that we partner with purchased uh, at a obviously good good price. And this is what our Parkview team did to turn it into a church. Yes, good. And um, and three, when they had their opening service for this deal, three people found the Lord even that very night, okay? So I just want to tell you that your offering dollars go to a lot of really, really cool things, okay? Really, really cool things. Second and lastly, um, I'm starting a series after Easter called Pure Sex. Yes, I said that. <laughs> We're going to talk about it because you know what? I'm sick and tired of the devil having all the fun with sex, okay? And, and, and the deal is God invented this. God made it happen. This was, sex was not invented behind some dark porn store, okay? There, there's an ideal for it. There's a place for it. We're going to obviously talk about, and it's, on, it's, it's right in front of us. 70% of the ads have, you know, some kind of sexual innuendo in it. It's all around us. We talk, we talk about everything here, if you're new, just so you know that. And, um, and, and I, I just want to tell you that because we're going to talk about it in the context of marriage, in the, in the context of relationships, period, we're going to talk about it, all right? In the middle of that, um, Mother's Day is in the middle of that. <laughs> I don't know if they're related at all or not, but um, I went last Friday down to West Monroe, Louisiana, and interviewed Kay Robertson, the mom from the Duck Dynasty show, and I'm going to be playing that interview on Mother's Day like we did play the guys on Father's Day last year, okay? Get, ladies, you don't have to wear camo on Mother's Day if you don't want to, but uh, if you do, it's cool, and uh, we're going to have a really, really great service, and uh, <laughs> it, it won't have anything to do with sex, trust me, okay? Um, but I hope that you'll be thinking about Mother's Day and what's going to go on. On. All right, so today my task is to share with you about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I know, you're like, oh wow, I never would have thought of that. And sometimes I worry that I, you know, that I preach about the same old stuff too often. You know, like, I think MapQuest could start with direction number five, because I already know how to get out of my own neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like, turn left out of your driveway. No, duh. I, I, I can get out to here. I need from here on, right? So if what I do today is like, you know, MapQuest directions one through four for you, I apologize. I'm glad that you know the story already. It's just that when we get to this time of the year, I, I find something new out about this week every time I study it, every time I think about it. There's so much depth and so much richness in Passion Week that we have to talk about it. And it starts with where we are right now. I mean, it starts with Jesus riding in on a donkey. It starts with Palm Sunday, which most of us, I mean, how many of you, you know, growing up, you had the little palm branches at some point, and you were like, oh, Hosanna, you're right, the little kids are doing the Hosanna thing, okay? It's really, really interesting to think through Palm Sunday, because Jesus was not, you know, he was not real, he was not really like all having a big party on the way into town. And why is that? It's because Jesus knew what he was going to do. And I don't think I'd ever really processed that until a couple of years ago. Here's where the, this is Matthew 16. This may be a couple of months before Palm Sunday. 
From that time on, Jesus began to explain to the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day, he would be raised to life. I mean, he's trying to explain it to them. They just don't believe him, all right? It was not that Jesus was a bad communicator. It was that they were bad listeners. That's what it was, okay? He was a guy, and sometimes guys are bad communicators, right, ladies? Can I get an amen? And, and you know, let me, I just read this this week. Let me help you with this just a little bit in case there's a, an issue at your house, okay? When a guy says it's a guy thing, the translation of that is there's no rational thought pattern connected with this whatsoever. <laughs> when a guy says, have you lost weight? It really means I just spent our last $60 on a new cordless drill. <laughs> right? When a guy says, it would take too long to explain, it really means, I have no idea how this works whatsoever. <laughs> when a guy says, I'm getting more exercise lately, it means the batteries in the remote control are dead, and I have to get up and go change the channel. Yeah. He, when a guy says, you know how bad my memory is, it really means, I remember the song to Gilligan's Island, I remember the address of the first girl I kissed, I remember the VIN numbers to every automobile I've ever had, but I forgot your birthday. When a guy says, I can't find it, it really means it didn't fall into my outstretched arms. <laughs> right, ladies? Usually has something to do with a refrigerator. I can't find it. When, it. when a guy says, I missed you, it really means the kids are hungry and we're out of toilet paper. That's all it means, okay? <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes we're, we don't communicate very well, but Jesus very plainly communicated what was going to happen. The problem here was that they weren't listening. Now, here he goes again telling them the same thing. This is Matthew 20, four chapters later, and it's actually on the way to Jerusalem. So this could have literally been like Friday or Saturday before Palm Sunday. Now, Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, and on the way, he took the 12 aside and said to them, we're going, <laughs> hello McFly, here we go. We're going to Jerusalem. The son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. They'll hand him over to the Gentiles. He will be mocked, flogged, and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. On the way to Jerusalem, he tells them this. It is so crazy. Why were the disciples so shocked by the whole Easter thing? Jesus, you came back from the dead? Yeah, like I told you last week, I was going to. Why aren't you guys listening to me? See, the, the reason I think this is important is because Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen as he rode in on that donkey on Palm Sunday. It was a death ride, okay? He was not doing the queen wave, you know? He was not just like, oh, hey, everybody. He, he, was, he was riding into this place where he knew he was going to die. So Palm Sunday, as much as we love to wave the palm branches and, you know, say Hosanna and all those kind of cool things that we do, it's really not what it was like for Jesus, at least. It, might, it was like that for them, but it wasn't like that for Jesus. And, and I tell you that right up front because I think it's really important that you understand because maybe there are some things that are going on in your life and, and you're on a ride right now that you didn't want to be on either. You know what I'm saying? You're on a ride that's headed down a direction that you did not anticipate. Something about health, something about relationships, something about finances, I don't know. But you're on a ride that you don't like very much. And I want to tell you, after next Sunday, there's going to be different hope for you. 
That's the story of the Passion Week. It, it actually says that as Jesus was approaching Jerusalem and he saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you had only known this day what would bring you peace, but it is hidden from your eyes. Jesus doesn't weep easily, and the gospel writers put this in for a reason because they think it's really important. How strange that the grand marshal of the parade would stop and weep, would stop and cry. How embarrassed must the disciples have been? Okay, first you're riding in on this little donkey, and now you're going to stop and cry? I mean, this doesn't make any sense, right? But why is he crying? Is he crying because he's afraid to die? It, no, of course not. Jesus has known this was going to happen forever and ever. Here's, here's what Peter tells us. This is an interesting verse. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, that's how we're saved, he was chosen before the creation of the world. Jesus knew before Adam and Eve that he was going to have to make this ride someday, okay? And he's been trying to tell the thick-headed disciples for three years that he was going to make this ride. That's not why he's crying. He's weeping because of the people he's going to die for that aren't going to get it. I mean, that's really it. You've maybe been a teacher or a coach or a parent or a boss who's had somebody under you, a child or an employee or whatever, somebody under you that just didn't get it. And you knew if you could only get through their head what they needed to do, that it would change their life forever. That's what Jesus is saying. If you only knew the peace that could come to you, and I'm going to bring it to you, and I know you don't understand it, but it has to involve my death and my burial and my resurrection. Those are the people that he's weeping for. He's not weeping for me. He's not weeping for you if you get it. He can look 2,000 years in the future and go, wow, I love, that. I love that Parkview Church and I love the people that are there and I love Christianity in the 21st century and I'm so happy for them. It's all those other people that he's weeping for because they just don't get it and they may not. Significance of this day is Lamb Selection Day. I mean, I, I, I say this often, but this was one of the most important things to me as I started restudying Passion Week a few years ago and started thinking this through. Lamb Selection Day was the day in the, in the, in the, in the Jewish system, the sacrificial system, on Sunday, this very day, on Sunday, they would, they would go buy their lamb that they were going to sacrifice on Friday. I mean, the symbolism was so obviously in their face. They would go buy their lamb and they would sacrifice it on Friday. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, his cousin, he said, behold the lamb who takes away the sin of the world, right? Jesus is riding in on a donkey on lamb selection day. Did anybody get it? On Friday, when Jesus is on the cross, did anybody get it? I don't know how they couldn't have because they very plainly knew, and I know this is foreign to us, but they plainly knew that in fact the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. But now he, Jesus, has appeared once for all at the end of the age to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him, for us. You get this, right? 
Just nod your head with me because I want to make sure you get this, how this works. We needed to have the sin transferred off of us. That's what they did with the lamb. They would get the lamb and they would transfer the sin. The priest would transfer the sin onto the lamb and they would sacrifice the lamb on Friday, right? And they also did that with a goat. They called it the scapegoat, okay? You understand transferring the blame. That's what we did with Jesus. Jesus came and said, I'm going to take all the blame on me and I'm going to die on the cross. You get transferring the blame, right? It's pretty simple. Are you a parent? I mean, don't your kids do that? Transfer the blame pretty well? I didn't do it, he did, right? Oh, she did it. The dog ate my homework. It's the foundation of Illinois politics. We understand what this is, okay? (laughs) But what if it's actually true? What if you actually could do this? What if you could actually take all of your blame and put it onto somebody else and let them take it? That's what this week is about. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's that's what the cross is about, transferring the blame. So why? Why did Jesus have to die? I'm just going to give you a couple of things here. Um, The first reason Jesus had to die is he had to beat death. We have this problem. We are mortal. We live in a world that is sick and diseased and deadly. The Bible tells us that since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus, too, shared in their humanity so that by his death, listen to this, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, in case you don't know who that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Why did Jesus have to die? To beat death, and not just death, but the fear of death. You know you think about it. You don't want to, but, but surveys tell us that the number two fear of all people, universally, is death. Number one is my job. <laughs> Public speaking. Yeah, that's number one. Which Jerry Seinfeld says, that's really ironic, because that means the person delivering the eulogy at the funeral is more frightened than the person who was in the casket. That's just really, really weird. <laughs> but we all get this, right? We, all, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to think about it. We call it something else. We say they passed away, or they expired, or they departed, or you know, they're pushing up daisies, or they bought the farm, or they kicked the bucket. We come up with all these other terms because we don't want to really stop and think about the fact that someday we're going to die, and we're not going to know what's going to happen after that. And deep down inside, we all know we really ought to have an exit strategy because we're all going to die. Little Ethan was on his way home from church, and he asked his mom, he said, Mom, are we really made of dust? And she said, yeah, yeah, we really, that's how we got started. And Ethan said, are we going to return to dust when we die? And mom said, yeah, that's what the scriptures say. And he goes, well, Mom, when I was saying my prayers last night, I looked under my bed, and somebody's either coming or going. We, we all are. We're either coming or going, you guys. I mean, and that's the truth. The Bible tells us it is appointed man to, for man once to die, and after that is judgment. I mean, it's not just death that's the problem. We know there's a judgment coming. Howard Hendricks says it really well. We're not in the land of the living going to the land of the dying. We're in the land of the dying going to the land of the living. Isn't that great? That's what I'm excited about. Yeah, that's what next week is all about. But the problem is we need an exit strategy if we're going to get there. What does that look like? Well, it could look like a whole lot of ideas. Uh, (laughs) 
could look like Ted Williams' idea. I don't know. Um, Ted Williams, if you know baseball, probably the greatest hitter in the history of baseball. He died uh, several years ago, but um, had himself frozen. That was his exit strategy. Here's Sports Illustrated's Rick Riley. His curators don't like the word death. The Alcor Life Extension Program prefers to say he ended his first life cycle. When Ted Williams died, excuse me, ended his first life cycle at the age of 83, he was packed in a crate of ice, flown to Arizona, injected with a form of human antifreeze, and placed in a stainless steel bay where he and 58 other, re other residents await their mulligan at minus 196 degrees Celsius, counting on future advancements in technology that will unfreeze them into life. They're banking their bodies on the hope of reanimation that someday someone will poke a needle or push a button and trigger life cycle number two. Okay? That's one exit strategy. Uh, I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense to you. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But we all know that at some point we're going to have to have one. Which brings me to the second reason Jesus had to die, and that was because of this chasm. That was because of this canyon, this chasm that was between us and God. And the story of the rich man and the beggar named Lazarus, uh, Abraham talks to us about the problem that is in between heaven and hell. And, and, he, and he, says it, well, he says it this way. He says, besides all of this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, which would be silly going from heaven to hell, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. There's this problem, right? And we know this. And this problem not only exists after we die, it exists even now. We have this problem in our world. And I illustrated it this way, all right? Um, we live here. This is the landscape of Chicago right now, okay? All our bushes are dead because it got so cold, right? And all the grass is dead because of all the salt from all the salt trucks that, you know, got up on it. And we, we long to be somewhere where it's green again. And that's why I love that Easter is this time of year because there's always this to look forward to. You know, your tulips and your crocuses are probably starting to pop up and things are starting to get this way. Here, this is my, this is my illustration of the, of the chasm. There's a chasm in between here and there. There's no way to get from here to there. This is where we live now. Sometimes there's some green stuff in here. Sometimes there's some good parts of life. We enjoy what we can in this world. But we know that someday we're going back to the redone Garden of Eden and everything is going to be perfect and there will be no more death, no more crying, no more pain, and the old order of things will be passed away. So we need to get from here over to here. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, I mean, you could bank on reanimation and, and freeze yourself and hope that you're going to come back here, but you're still going to be here. Or you could take most religions' idea, and you could try to be really, really good and work your way over there, right? I, I'm just going to, little spoiler alert, next week I thought, i got to show the evil Knievel jumping the Snake River Canyon next week, okay? I mean, if you were around, if you remember that, it was like, he goes, whoop! boom, and, you know, falls down into the river in between. It's hilarious, right? This is our best efforts is right here. We're going to fall into the canyon. So what did Jesus come? Why did Jesus have to die? Why did he have to transfer our blame onto him? It's so that he could build a bridge from here to there. So that it's not based on what you do. It's not based on how you are. It's based on Jesus and what he did. 
Understand? I know this is map quest one through four, but you got to grab a hold of this before we get to next week. I tell you the truth, John said, those who listen to my message and believe in the God who sent me have this, eternal life. They have this. They will never be condemned in their sins. Never be condemned for their sins. Why? Because we transferred the blame over to him. And he died on the cross for it. But they have already passed from death to life. We've been talking about this with the seven deadlies. We already have part of the kingdom of heaven in our life now. Now, it's not the new heaven and the new earth that we're going to live in someday, but we already get to live in a piece of this because of Jesus already. Now, we've already crossed over. As soon as you accept Jesus as your Savior, you have crossed over. That's what happens. I'm crossing over. You understand that? I've already done it. And after Jesus comes back again, after it's all over, there will be no more of that. There will be nothing for us to worry about anymore. Because why? Because Revelations 20 tells us that death gets thrown into the lake of fire. And it's done. So when this body goes, and mine's going fast, I don't know how you're feeling, my soul is going to be raised with Jesus and I'll get a new body and I'll live in a new place and it's all because of him. That's what this week is about. That's what Palm Sunday and Maundy Thursday and Good Friday, that's what they're all about. It's about God taking all of our sins and transferring them on to his son, Jesus. And it says in the Old Testament that he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. So it is by, our, by his wounds that we are healed. Years ago, the producers of Sesame Street had a dilemma. <clears throat> Mr. Hooper died. Um, if you had little kids at this time, you remember this. I mean, Mr. Hooper was a, one of the characters, and the show went on for so long that, you know, he ended up getting an illness and, and passing away. And so they're trying to figure out what are they going to do with it. And they decided to get some child psychologists in on it because, you know, it's mostly four-year-olds that are watching Sesame Street, right? And, and so they asked the child psychologist, what should we say? And the child psychologists say, well, don't say that Mr. Hooper got sick and died because they're going to get sick, and then they're going to think they're going to die, and you don't want that. And don't say Mr. Hooper got old and died because little kids think anybody over 25 is old, you know, so they're going to think their 30-year-old mom is going to die because she's old, so don't say that. And the producers decided they would stay away from any religiosity whatsoever and not say Mr. Hooper died and went to heaven because they didn't want to have to deal with that. And I understand all that. But here's how the show played out. I mean, the producers decided they would say Mr. Hooper's gone, he won't be back, and he'll be missed. So the show aired on Thanksgiving Day so that parents could watch with their kids because it was a tough subject. And Big Bird comes out and he says, oh, I got a picture for Mr. Hooper. I want to show Mr. Hooper my picture. And someone said, Big Bird, remember we told you Mr. Hooper died. And Big Bird said, oh yeah, I forgot. Well, I'll give it to him when he comes back. You know, Big Bird's always got, you know, taco short of the full combination plate, right? I'll give it to him when he, when he comes back. And one of the staff members says, puts his arm around Big Bird. He says, Big Bird, Mr. Hooper is not coming back. And Big Bird said, why not? And they said, Big Bird, when people die, they don't come back. The end. Not much of an exit strategy, is it? How futile is that? I don't understand. And if you're here today and you're in this, in this boat, and that's, that's your 
philosophical viewpoint. I, I understand. I understand that resurrection and, 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 and heaven and all of these things are, are really crazy concepts. But I really don't understand how you live your life without the hope of the fact that after we die, something else could be going on. I don't understand that because that's what Christianity tells us. And that's what I believe. And no, I can't prove it to you. Jesus did. I can't. Jesus came back from the dead. 500 people witnessed him after he resurrected. There were people around that could tell you if they were still alive, but I can't. I've never seen anybody come back from the death, but, but I know in my heart, and I believe with everything that is within me, that when I die, I'm not just gonna vanish. I've got hope for this in the next world. And I'm not gonna get there by injecting myself with antifreeze and waiting to come back to that world. I'm not gonna be reincarnated as a pigeon and, 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 and none of the other, and I can't work myself to get over there because I know I'm not that good. And this is why Christianity makes the only sense to me whatsoever. It's the only exit strategy that makes any sense. And it's summed up by Jesus when he said that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So all you got to do is walk across the bridge. Next week, we're going to have this giant bridge up here. And uh, I mean, it's symbolic. I'm not saying that you need to do that to come to Jesus. It's just a, a symbol. We're going to have the whole bridge up here. I'm going to talk through this whole thing. If you've got people that don't understand Christianity or been burned by it or whatever, invite them back next week because we're going to explain this. The bridge is just an analogy, okay? Every, actually, every person that came to Jesus in the Bible was baptized, Okay, and we're doing mass baptisms at the end of the service, if you didn't know that. So I want you to be thinking about that right now. If you don't have Jesus and you've never accepted him, the first thing they did is they jumped in the water. I'm jumping into my clothes, and it's 70 degrees out there, and it hasn't been 70 degrees out there since October when we did the last baptism service. So what do you think, man? I mean, has God set this up for you or what? Okay, so we're going to do baptisms at the end of the service. I just want you to be thinking about it. Come on. I just want you to understand that that baptism represents the death and the burial of Jesus Christ. It represents the fact that he had to die to take death away from us. And that's what happened on the cross. We needed somebody to love us. We needed somebody to care for us. We needed an exit strategy that was going to happen that would give us the ability to get over to the good place. Why did Jesus choose crucifixion? I, I don't know, because it was the most horrible way to die. But I believe that, that he and God decided that the most horrible way to die would be the only way to demonstrate to you and me that our sins are really that bad. Because part of the problem is sometimes we just think, ah, it's no big deal. If I just get a little more good than a little bad, no, it, it really is a big deal. You understand crucifixion. It's interesting because the Bible doesn't say very much about it. The Bible just says they crucified him. But everybody that was there understood what that meant. Crucifixion was set up to be a horrible punishment as a deterrent for crime. So they would hang them on the cross and let them hang there beside the road where everybody could walk by and see this guy suffering. They wanted that to happen because they wanted you to look at the cross and think, I'm not doing crime because crime doesn't pay. That does not look good. That's the kind of punishment that Jesus took on himself. The Lamb of God 
on the day that they sacrificed the lambs around the city when Jesus was hanging on the cross. The symbolism is unbelievable. Max Lucado wrote it this way. God on a cross, creator of the universe being executed. There's spit and blood caked to his cheeks and his lips are cracked and swollen. Thorns rip his scalp. His lungs scream with pain. His legs knot with cramps. Taut nerves threaten to snap as pain twangs her morbid melody. But death is not ready. And there is no one to save him because he's sacrificing himself. So there he hangs. Far worse than the breaking of his body is the shredding of his heart. His own countrymen clamored for his death. His own disciple planted the kiss of betrayal. His own friends ran for cover. And now his own father is beginning to turn his back on him, leaving him alone. A witness could not help but ask, Jesus, do you give no thought to saving yourself? What keeps you there? What holds you to the cross? Nails don't hold gods to trees. What makes you stay? I'll tell you what makes him stay. Love. John says, greater love has no man than this than he lay down his life for his friends. So we're going to take a time, listen, as we've got a element of spoken word and a song. I just want you to listen. I want you to think about what Jesus did for you. Then we'll come back and have communion after that. And then if you've not been baptized or you were baptized as a kid and you want to come back and do it on your own as an adult, we welcome you to jump in the tub after that. Let's listen together. Let me pray. Lord God, as we, as we come to you right now, we are amazed at this story. I could preach it until I die, and I will. I could preach it every Palm Sunday, every Easter, because it's unbelievable when we get the concept of transferring my blame. And sometimes I think I'm doing pretty good. Sometimes I think I'm all right. Then, again, we just went through the seven deadly sins and realized how much we all blow all of them. So if that's just the beginning. We really do have a lot of sin in our life. I do. And I had to transfer all that blame to somebody else so that I could get to the perfect place where there is no sin and no death and no curse. And I look forward to being there someday. But for now, I live in as much of the kingdom as I can here on this earth, and I help bring that kingdom to this earth. And it all happens because of your cross. So be with us as we listen, as we contemplate what you did for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.